Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the midweek fix with the LFC Day Trippers. Um, packed show to get through tonight. I'm going to be honest, an absolute packed show. Um, spoiler alert: the winners and losers are amazing, and um, they really, really are. I'm so looking forward to them. But we're going to look at manager turnover. Three managers sacked in the first ten games of the Premier League season, with possibly more to follow. More than likely, some more to follow. We're going to have a little chat around Liverpool's midfield because the injuries keep coming and then going and then coming again. And Atleti at Anfield, we're going to try pick a team for that. And we're going to chat around loads of stuff. But I promise you, the winning and losers are absolute—they're um, absolute crackers. They really, really are. Um, with me this week, uh, we have got Keith Plunkett, we have Shawnee Lawson, and we have Colin Doherty from the Villa Podcast. Delighted to have him back because uh, if there's nothing—if he's nothing else, he's very straight talking. So um, that'll go down very well. Um, Lads are all very, very welcome. And. The first thing we're going to go to is that manager turnover because um, Watford have sacked the manager, Newcastle have sacked the manager, and um, Spurs have sacked the manager. And you know, there's an awful lot of talk around um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment. You also have the fact that the Norwich manager still has a job. How he does is beyond me. And um, I'm sure in the next five to six or ten league games, we're going to see another few um, chopped as well. Um, Colin, I'm going to come to you first because. You know, the Newcastle one, fair enough. They've, they've taken over. They've, they've been taken over. They're going to look for a manager and stuff like that. The Watford one seemed a bit, a bit strange. And, and in particular, then the Spurs one, I don't think that guy stood a chance from day one. No, like, I think, I think Jamie Carragher put it really well, didn't he, when he said it, it's not even a bad second. It's, it's a bad appointment, but it's, I think it's sort of just is emblematic of the mess that is Spurs. Like they brought in somebody that they, they don't want. I, I don't know where this idea of Spurs attacking football came from either. Like we all we all just say this about about every team, don't we? Like their their brand of football is attacking. Like, they, like that, that's that's a Spurs DNA, you know. But like, their owner got rid of Pochettino, like the, the best manager that they've probably had in three decades. Brought in Jose Mourinho because he's a winner. Didn't win. And now he brought in you know, with Sergio Santo, who like, we, like, we've probably had conversations here before about the Wolves team. And, and we, we actually definitely did last year. We were talking about predictions and how boring the Wolves team are. And he, he brought him in as well. It just, it just goes to show the Spurs aren't really... F- the, the, the only thing Daniel Levy is sure to do more than anything is look for a bargain. And the fact that he went down 
six places to this guy just to save himself a bit of money and of course cost himself a bit of money in the long run just sums him up um, it really does Keith I think you heard a switch on your mic before you come on here you might want to re-switch it um, because it's picking up everything you're doing there literally you're tapping <laughs> on the table and it's picking up everything um, it wasn't tapping well, well, whatever. well listen that's your own business um, but Keith I come to you um, you know he doesn't stand a chance because I was looking back at it earlier and you know Conte was in for it. Um, Gattuso was in for it. Fonseca was in for it. Yeah. Um, there might have been a couple more. I'm not too sure. Uh, there was Pochettino was in for it. Oh, yeah. Well, Pochettino apparently was leaving the PSG to come back. That was the first one actually to come out, wasn't it? Yeah. And and then he goes with Espirito Santo and he turns up. And, you know, the first thing he's to deal with is Harry Kane not wanting to be at the club. And then you go through the summer and everything is all around him and you can see it affecting him. But Conan's right, isn't it? The style of football was never going to wash at sports. Never going to watch no. it, sports. No, and I think Nuno um, was a was a coach who he, he landed in nearly the perfect situation um, going to Wolves at the time because you had the um, the Mendes connection there at Wolves, so he was being given all these Portuguese talents that otherwise wouldn't have been landing on Wolves' door. You know, you're getting um, Ruben Neves, who was captain in Porto, the youngest captain in the Champions League history at that stage. You've got um, Joao Moutinho, all these guys that would have been well out of reach of Wolves in, in general. And he got there, Portuguese, and he just sort of guided them, settled on a system, done well, low expectations. When you're at a club like Wolves, and I'm not just playing up to Conan here, but even like Villa are new promoted in the last few years, but they're one of the biggest clubs in England, and there is an expectation at a club like Villa, like Leeds. Wolves don't have that. And then you go to Spurs, and from the off, you're on the back foot because you're right. You're the fifth or sixth choice manager to go in there. You're the only one that seems willing to take it. And why are the only are you the only one willing to take it? Why is no one else taking that job? So he was on to a, a bad a bad um, start, no matter what happened. And then you throw in the Kane stuff, and there's discontent all over the place. The squad isn't happy. You've got. Even Kane is does Mormons of Kane being unsettled. Well, not Mormons of Kane. Sorry, Kane's coming out saying he's he's on his way. But then you've even Son, little Mormons of Son being unhappy. And you're like, what can you do there if you don't have the support? You don't have the the players behind you from the start. You're never going to do it. The expectation was to avoid three wins in the first three games, three scuttery one nils. Do you know what I mean? They weren't. They bet City on the first day. Was it? Yeah. Did City on the first day. Yeah. They, they weren't impressive. That's the thing. They were three one nils, and you're looking at them and you're like, you know, the top of the league here, but they're not really impressing anybody. And I think it gave a false sense of security nearly for Nuno, and it just started to unravel. He played a system that at, at Wolves, sorry, he had a system at Wolves that was very specific, and and the, he had the players to do it. And he goes to Spurs, and he never really stamped his authority on the team, in my opinion, and. If you're not a big enough manager to go in and sort out Hardy Kane under them circumstances, I don't think you have a chance. Now, they've gone for another manager who's the other end of the spectrum. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I just think, you know, from the very start, we said it in the summer, you know, it was a desperate move. It was it was never the right move for either party. And it's turned out to be a bit of a disaster. Really hard. Shani, you know, I think we all agree that it was... It wasn't a great appointment and he, he didn't stand much of a chance. But what's changed, Johnny, with Spurs? Because Conte, four months ago, was approached. Nothing. 
Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Something has something changed because he was approached no. four months ago, and the talk was that um, he wasn't committing to it because I, I presume money because he loves his money to spend. Our spores come back to him and, and persuaded them by saying we will give you money. What, what do you think's gone on there? The, the biggest myth that perpetuates Conte is this: him wanting to win there and demanding millions wherever he goes. It's actually the complete opposite of his style. Because I remember watching, he done an interview with Thierry Henry when he took over Chelsea. And the first thing he asked for Chelsea was for to put a bed in the training ground for himself. Because he was going to sleep there overnight and work on everything that he had there and coach the players that he had available to the best visibility. And you look what he does when he goes to Inter and he's making... Look, he brings Ashley Young to over to Inter and plays Victor Moses wing back at Chelsea and... He goes on to win the league room. So he is the type of fella who can walk with what he has got there. Now, there is always a bit of friction with between him and the boards, but the only thing that happened, Gav, was Levy saw his fucking ass because he literally had to pay Espirito Santo £12 million for four months' work. And that would have killed him to do that. Yeah. Because that's what he's all about is the coin. It's all about pinching pennies and the coin. And nothing has changed, Gav. And the reason why I can tell you nothing has changed was because they signed Conte today on an 18-month deal. What's the story with that? With an option to extend. With an option to extend me bollocks. Just give him the three out of four years. Even then, that way, it, it even makes it look like that you have some sort of belief that this fella is going to implement something over three or four years. What can any manager do over 18 months? Now, the four six months are right off, isn't it? Like that's there's yeah. Matuidi walks in and wins with Chelsea, right? Fair enough, but he literally stunk the gaff out. They nearly ended up outside the top four on the last day of the season, and this is the thing with football that people don't realise is how fine the margins is between being a winner or deemed as a loser. You look at what's happened to Spurs three years ago. They're in the Champions League final. That perennial title challengers in England that pushing all the time under Pochettino. They lose that final and it's it's shit I got off the pot for, for Spurs after that season. And what did they do? They did fuck all and the team went stale and they ran Poch out after three months of a season where he brings them to a Champions League final. Closest they've ever been to winning anything. And to just to forward what Conan says, this idea of Spurs playing attack of footballers and want winners in that team. They've never had winners in that team. Where's this entitlement come from? They've won fucking yeah. nothing. They've won one Carlin Cup under Levy's tenure. So nothing has changed, Cap. It's pure scattergun by Tottenham. It's it's a hundred percent scattergun. And I wouldn't be the I would not be at all surprised if Conte is gone come May. Because it, it, it's just it seems to be that making it up as they go along. They literally interviewed Nuno was one of the first fellas. I was listening to it today on Talksport. Nuno was one of the first fellas that was interviewed for that sports job. He effectively effectively ended up being seventh choice. They wouldn't pay Fonseca out because he had a, a clause to do with tax that were given gave him an exemption in Roma or wherever he managed beforehand. It's pure scatter going by sports. They've literally been burned by every single bit of business that they did or didn't do in, in the summer. Oh yeah, which I'll get on to later in my section with Harry Kane and then the managerial appointments. They're a fucking mess, Gav. They're an absolute mess. Only for the new shiny new stadium. <laughs> they 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 are in 
big bother. But I will say one thing. It's proactive from Levy, which he normally always is. And if you're looking at the table now, if Conte is as good as they say they are, and if some of these players are as good in the sports squad that people say they are, then they should be looking at top four because it's wide open. It's mm. wide open. I watched United again tonight. They are muck. Leicester have been shy for large parts of this season. They're getting away with it, I think. And Arsenal are coming on. So there is a real... The the, the door is open for fourth spot. Mm. And what would tell you that more than anything is that a lot of people have West Ham as favourites to nick that fourth spot. Dylan O'Rourke says 18 month deal leaves uh, drama in six months time. And... And there's one here as well from Jonathan that I think is is a great point. And I'm going to put it up on screen for you now um, when I start my fingers out and press the right buttons. Um, it says, uh, I think it's a desperate attempt by Levy to get into the Champions League this season. They're broke. They desperately they need that Champions League. And I think there's something to that because an 18 month deal were an option to extend. No one's telling us who has that option. Is it the club or is it the manager? And I think it's a case of we'll write this six months off or hope that you can get us in there but I could see a situation where they don't make the Champions League, he stays and he has a rocky August, September and it's he's gone. He's gone. And it reduces the amount of payment that's to be made to him. Um, Colin, just last thing on this. Um, do you see him being a successful sports or is it a case of these players just literally down tills for the last year and it'll actually show them up if they start playing again? <laughs> There's definitely a bit of that, but like these players, they're not like they're not that good either. Like that, that's the thing. Like the the entitlement for um for Levy, maybe maybe it just shows he doesn't know that much about football that he, he thinks that he can make a scramble here, having rid off written off the first ten games of the season. We we could still get into the Champions League with the right man. Like their, their squad is nowhere near those top four teams, and then you should mention West Ham, Leicester, whoever else. Like they're already behind. It's like can't they like. Sean is right. Conte's obviously a class manager, so he would get it right with time and with uh, and with a bit of investment as well. But um, to, to think that suddenly, like we're all laughing at United, like United squad is like nowhere near Spurs' level. Like so that, that's something else to tap into. And the only thing I wonder about the eighteen months is, does it suit Conte a little bit as well when United finally come around to their senses, get rid of Solskjaer, then Conte's got an easier way out of this job at Spurs and get into a better one? It, it's a mad one. Um, huge news coming from Dylan O'Rourke, Gaff. He says, uh, moved house recently, lads, watching you in HD on a 64-inch telly. He said, it's better than Babe Station. So there you oh, go. If you'd have said, Dylan, you should have told us earlier. We could have, would have worn these clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but look, uh, the stuff, the stuff around managers going, um, just quickly. Before we move off Conte, Gav, before mm. we move off Conte, yeah. another thing with Conte is he plays a certain system, so he's not going to go into Spurs, and it's not going to be four four two or whatever four three three, whatever they used to play. And so he's going to implement everywhere he goes. He plays three at the back. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see if he does that. Now Spurs have a lot of centre backs. They've got a natural Regalon can play left wing back, and they've got. Uh, the Irish fella Doherty can play uh, not Conan the other one can play um, Matt. the right wing back he hasn't done that in that sport yet in fairness he hasn't been great but he might be one that can thrive in that 
you know, mm. wing back system at under under Conte. But it could take them a while to get used to this system. Do you know what I mean? So it's putting more pressure on that eight day month deal and more pressure yeah. on as Shawnee said, the six months that he might be gone in. Do you know what I mean? That's the big crux of it for me. I just yeah. like when I because I, I thought that's a brilliant appointment, but like you kind of just have to put your money where your mouth is, and that's saying like, I'm gonna give you the four or five year deal. Now that I might have to fucking pay you if it does go tits up, but yeah, yeah, that's that's shown that you do envisage this being a long term thing. But they obviously haven't got the blatant courage around convictions yeah. to give him the deal that he probably deserves because he's a top five manager in the world. There's absolutely no doubt about it in my mind. There could be there could be something out. there. There could be something there, Shawnee, where they say to him though. You know, on the other side of it, like Lucas says there, he's an absolutely brilliant manager. Why are you writing him off? We're not we're not writing, writing him off as a manager. We're just looking at the fit at Spores and the length of the deal. There could be something in it where they say 18 months and something triggers an extension, i.e. a Champions League qualification, and will probably then trigger funds to be released in order to sign players and then look to build on it in that, you know, second 12 months of that 18 month deal. And then they see where they go from there. But it's, it's an interesting one. Um, lads, there's definitely going to be other managers coming and going and, and stuff like that in the Premier League but just to put you on the spot for the crack um, Shawnee next manager to be sacked in the Premier League for you I think it's going to be Dean Smith okay lovely that'll fucking go down well in the Conan household uh, Conan Conan probably agrees with me <laughs> yeah, I was going to say do you back Shawnee up there yeah I think yeah it's, it's it's going to be pretty close to like it could well be um because the thing is like a lot of Villa fans are looking at Villa's next three games and everyone's like if we don't get nine points there then forget about it but like we're, we're away to Southampton and away to Crystal Palace and at home to Brighton like <laughs> like Villa got seven points in a normal season against those teams you'd be fucking laughing like you know so I, I this idea that Dean Smith has to get nine points in those three games to save his job off the back of how they're playing is very worrying um. I thought Villa might might be patient with him, um, but now I'm already seeing links of Fonseca and stuff like that. I thought Fark might have been the first manager to get sacked. It still might be or the next manager, but mm. uh, Norway seemed content enough just to just to go up and down. So, uh, look, this is my roundabout politician's way of saying that it probably is going to be Dean Smith. But uh, <laughs> um, I hope we yeah. hope we get it right because, like, the, the only thing about Dean Smith is that. If if I saw Villa's Conte out there, if there was just an obvious replacement, like which was an obvious upgrade, then I would say, right, let's go and do it. But I think like there's not, and I think he can get it right. But I don't know if there's going to be a lot of patience out there. Okay, uh, Keith. Yeah, I have a few. Uh, and two well, managers. I'm one, 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 one down to two. Right? I'm down yeah. to two. I was going to say Ranieri, but no. Um, Farke isn't going to do it. He must have nudes on Delia Smith at this stage that he's given that <laughs> job. But I think it's going to be um, either Rafa or Bielsa. And I'm going to go for Rafa. Okay. I disagree. I don't think Everton are in a position to pay off Rafa. And I don't think, and look, a bit like um, Colin has said with Villa, I don't know what their upgrade is. I don't know what their solution is because. There's no yeah. way that Rafa was their first choice. And I think they trawled looking for people. They could have had Nuno Espirito Santo. He was on the verge of everything, if you believe me, during the summer. And then ends up at Spurs and Rafa ends up at, at, um, at Everton. I think it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I know, I know Sean is going to disagree profusely with me on that. But they've I got it, they've got out of jail tonight. They've got a draw. Yeah, I think if he loses the derby, he's gone. 
Okay, but I'll tell you why he's not. You look at every single United manager since Ferguson's gone, right? Yeah. Every one of them, okay? Moyes, they lose away at Goodison. Top four becomes an impossibility. Gone. Sacked. Con- contractual obligation. Gone. Out the door with no severance, no nothing. These all have this written into their contracts. This is the way the Glazers are. They're box tickers. So as soon as they can't tick the boxes anymore, they will get rid of him. That's the way it is with him. You seen what your man came out today, Gav, who's close toys to the club and said, the club told Conte's entourage, we actually don't want them because we're afraid he might actually challenge the hierarchy there. And that's not what they want. Like you, you made a point is that they want another yes man. Yeah, and I do believe exactly that. They'll wait for that. They won't sack Ole, Gav, because at the end of the day, the fans have, will never get toxic towards him because of what he's done for the club. It'll always be kind of, you can see the fans still sing his name. And I, when I mean fans, I mean Leeds fans, Liverpool fans, fucking <laughs> every other fans are singing his name at the moment. But I don't think they go near them. And for the, the same thing with Fark, I don't think Fark is under any trouble at all because I actually think that's their Smith. Lot. He goes on gardening leave every time he gets up to the Premier League. They know yeah. it. Gonna he's being paid. Back, when he, come, he doesn't even get paid. He might be on the PUP payment, is he? <laughs> it's like a football manager when you just click go on a holiday. Yeah. As soon as he get back up to the Premier League, he just goes on a holiday yeah. for nine months and says, I'll be back in the Championship, I'll get just back up. <laughs> she, probably te- she probably tells him, listen, we're in the Premier League now, you need to go and go to the doctor. And get a note to say you have COVID. Long, long, long COVID. Because you're not getting paid between fucking August and May. Because you're not worth it. But you can stay where you are. That's so what's probably going on. Back in the championship. Down you're up. I get, I get where you are coming from. With regards to Solskjaer. And to be honest with you. You might be right. There's a good chance you might be right. My only thinking on it is. And I, Sean, it's a great point you make with regards to what's written into the contract and stuff like that. Right? What And... You know, if you don't get champion, if you don't get a Champions League spot, we've every right to sack you. I understand that, but they've dodged the bullet tonight. They were hammered by Liverpool at home, and I think if they get hammered in the derby. I think he'd be gone. I think they'll they'll have to look at the sway of but the supporters. Now, I know what you're saying about yes, the, man. The same I, I, what Conan said. Who are you going to get? I think Brendan I, I think Brendan Rodgers' name is written all over. Yeah. So yes, Brendan Rodgers, do you think he'll jump before Christmas? You know, to Leicester. Yeah, hundred percent. If Brendan Rodgers was, if Brendan Rodgers, if Brendan Rodgers was out and out offered, the Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, United, Liverpool, City, City job, he would, he wouldn't, they wouldn't see him for dust at 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 Leicester. I'm telling you that now. Brendan Rodgers is not like a, you know, I want Brendan Rodgers had a job at Celtic where he could have went down as the best manager in their history, right? But he'd win in 10, league, win 10 leagues in a row. And he would have done it if he'd have stayed there, right? And he walked away for, for Leicester City. Now, I know it's a Premier League job, but he could have went down as the best manager they've ever seen, ever seen at Celtic Park, which is a monstrous club with huge I, names in it. And he walked away. I promise you. Do you remember the time you know, um, Arsenal were looking for it when, when they sacked Emery? And he was literally on the telly nearly telling people he wanted to go to Arsenal. In an interview after Leicester game, he is the big. He is the perfect man for Manchester United because I'll tell you why. He won't rock a boat, and he will love nothing more than go into press conferences eight days a week and tell you about the size of the club, the character, the prestige, and stuff like that. And they'll all love that. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. It's it's that's right. Brendan would 100 percent walk, but I absolutely take a point on on Solskjaer. He could stay, but a bashing in the derby, and I think that he's in massive trouble. 
massive, massive trouble. But look, it's it's one for another day, probably tomorrow or the next day, the way things are fucking going. But um, it's definitely something there. Now, I want to move on, and I want to move on to um, the midfield situation at Liverpool. Now, people are probably looking going, what's Conan going to say about this? He'll have a view. I know he will. Um, <laughs> because the injuries keep coming and going, as we know. Um, you know, Naby Kate is the latest to be out for a while as the word from the club. Because of a hamstring injury. Um, you've got James Milner out with a hamstring injury. You've got, looks good on, on Harvey Elliott though. He's, he's hopping on mats and stuff like that. So he looks like he's, he's on his way back. Thiago is in contention and so is Fabinho. Um, and things are starting to move in the right direction, but it's, it's two steps forward, one step back. And we were, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we were in Liverpool at the weekend, Sean Shawnee and Andy, and, and we were having a discussion on Sunday afternoon about Liverpool's midfield. And I'm going to leave Shawnee to last and let, let the other lads say what you think but Keith I'll come to you first what's going on now now this isn't this isn't um, knee jerk stuff like sell him buy him sell it's, it's not that <coughs> does what happens is what's going on this season com- nearly confirm that we need to shuffle this midfield a little bit more in necessity it, what's going on now one out two come back one goes out do we need to look for more reliability in this midfield? And, and has the last couple of weeks with people in and out confirmed that? Yeah, I sort of understand the the reaction when you lose players, especially after what happened last season around defenders and things like that. But I just think, you know, Liverpool, I said this yesterday in our chat, Liverpool could sign the most reliable player in the world. And after a couple of months in their system, they could be picking up knocks and hamstrings all over the place. People always say this about Klopp and his, his his methods. It puts a lot of um lot of strain, especially on midfield players. Now I know Genie never got injured. Um it's not gonna happen to every single player, but you know, there's there's a lot of you could sign a reliable player. We brought Harvey Elliott into the first team this year and put him in midfield and it shocked all of us. None of us were expecting that to happen. And Harvey goes down then with a bad injury. Nabi is Nabi, and the fact we've got till now out of him is positive. Do you know what I mean? Like we lose him, but it's it's positive enough. The other guys are all picking up knocks. Like Fabinho wasn't in injury concern before he came to Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's when they're coming in, we're starting to they're starting to drop, and I don't know if it's down to the methods or you know the personnel themselves. It's it's a hard one, but at the end of the day, I think. The one thing I say about this Liverpool team, when I compare Klopp's Liverpool to Ferguson's United team around away when they had Tevez, Mooney, Ronaldo up front, they had Berbatov. Vidic, Ferdinand, yeah, and Berbatov, Vidic, Ferdinand, Everett, and Neville at the back. And their midfield was bleeding Corley Watts out of Coronation Street, Park G. <laughs> Song, uh, Mick Hucknell, and someone else. Do you know what I mean? They had all these jobbers in midfield. And they just built everything else around them. And they got functional players. I'm only joking. I think Owen Hargreaves was probably playing for them back then. And Sorry, John O'Shea was playing. Fletcher. All Sorry. these fellas were playing. And they were getting, they were key players, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't like a, a set midfield. Raphael was playing there. Do you know what I mean? Like there was loads of them. And they were all coming in and doing bits and pieces. And I see this Liverpool team nearly like that. We, we saw they wheeled Paul's goals out of his daughter's wash basket and I won the season. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and how they done that was beyond me. But, you know, they did. They, they got Paul's goals back. And it was all just a case of give us the bodies that could play the system in there. And I think Liverpool are quite similar. Where we're panicking about this is when we see Oxlade-Chamberlain in the team alongside 
Curtis Jones and then Hendo. You know, that three, out of all the permutations we can have, out of all the, the bodies in there, like that was that's probably the least trio that you'd want to see from a Liverpool point of view. Because, well, Curtis Jones, I'm a huge fan of Curtis Jones. I think he's very good. I think he's improving every time he plays. But when you have Oxley chamberlain in there as well, I think there's too much getting asked to Curtis Jones in the games when Ox is there because he's not able to do what he could do. And I think it just puts a strain on everyone else. I think if you get Fabinho back in there and Thiago back into contention, I think the midfield is fine. But we do we need to get more reliable players? Possibly, but then you can never tell what happens with them. You know, they pick up a bad injury or they pick up a strain or they pick up this or that. You just have to go with what you have. I just think it's very similar to the United team around that way and it's put who you can in there and build the rest. Whereas last season we lost the defence, the heart of the defence, and we crumbled to show you. The midfielders were having to play there. Everything went pear-shaped. This year, I think, you know, we're not doing too bad. You know, we moan a lot about, you know, where we are and, and, the, and the squad, but we're doing okay. If we just get through this period and we can get one or two bodies back in there, and we'd see how long Naby is out for. A while, Sean, he'll tell you that. That could be Christmas 2023 by the time we see him. But, what we have now is two players coming back in and possibly another one close enough. So, look, it's not ideal that we're playing Atletico Madrid tomorrow and they're absolute dogs. But if we get one of the lads back, um, Fabinho or Thiago for that, I think we should be okay. Yeah. <coughs> like, I'm not moaning about anything. Um, we're three points off the top of the league. We win tomorrow night and we're through in the I'm Champions League group with two to go. Um, we have a League Cup we're still in and going for. And the FA Cup comes in January, but oil mounted. Oh no, no, you you go last now in a second. I'm, I'm I'm building up to you, Conan. When you look at Liverpool and you know you're a big you're a big fan of Liverpool, how they play, the manager, the style, the stuff like that. When you look at that midfield and you see the midfield problems you have, is from the outside, is do you look at it and go, why don't they just get rid of A and B and bring in C and D and like no one will touch them? Well, because my my thing is like. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm not moaning about it. I'm just looking at going. We're persevering with something here now, and we're not really fixing it. You know the sort of way. And it, I, for me, I feel like something needs to be fixed. Well, it's funny, like because for for me, the answer is always just like get get Fabinho back in, and then everything just sort of works from there. Like I look at, I look I look at Villa as an example. And it's not a good comparison, but like Villa just for three years now have had such trouble in midfield, and we've just been crying out for for a Fabinho at Villa's level just to command and, and I don't mean like I really sort, sort of like now you know with, with the years gone by people almost disrespect Roy Keane like they just think he's a breaker Roy Keane was a proper footballer like got his foot in the ball turned picked passes like that's that's what Fabinho does when people are under pressure like you know he, he forces teams back by the way he plays he's on he's a brick wall in the fence but then he that brick wall moves up the pitch you know gradually and then just pans a team in and that's what a that's what a proper centre midfielder does so so in a way, like when Keith's talking there, like the, the big, yeah, you've touched on it there, Keith, when you said Curtis Jones and Oxley Chamberlain, like that's just for me as an outsider thinking, right? I always thought the ask was simple, like, and it's really not as simple. You're asking a lot of them, but I thought the three midfielders run 12k, cover for the fullbacks, and one of you get forward and break the lines and show a bit of creativity. But there's only going to be one of you doing that, and I, I thought with Oxley chamberlain and Curtis Jones, that's what they're both going to be trying to do. And they're just both also not in that same mold as, as well, Henderson and Fabinho are obviously the, 
the dream two to have in there with any three. So I, I don't know. Like I, I honestly do think it's just a Fabinho thing. And what the reason I brought in Villa is because like I know John McGinn gets linked to Liverpool sometimes, and we would we would always be like, what, <laughs> what the fuck is that about? Because like he's not that good for Villa, but then. But we love him as well. So then you're like, right, let's just take a step back from how we're playing at the minute. And uh, would it be different if Marvelous Nakamba wasn't alongside him? And the answer is yes. So like we started to think, you know what, if you drop John McGinn into Liverpool's team, he'd probably just easily play at that level then because of the system. And again, because it comes back from Fabinho and it starts with that. But I suppose to sum up, and again, you both have touched on it and I'll probably tee up Shawnee here is, um, maybe I'm cranky now because I'm watching too much Aston Villa at the minute, but uh, and I'm seeing a lot of Liverpool Twitter. I go on there just to sort of get a reprieve from Villa Twitter, and it's it's chaos there sometimes. Like it's, it's it was chaos in the summer with FSG. It's chaos when you're not signing people, and I think it always comes back to the fact that the bar was raised so highly, and and like in Liverpool's heads, they have to hit a hundred points. They have to hit a hundred points, and like if they drop a point, they're fucked. Like Liverpool's played fifteen games this season. They've won 11 and drawn four. Fuck off if you're complaining to me about that. <laughs> and, like, you know, but that's the thing. Like, you draw with Brighton. I understand it's annoying. You were 2 0 up. So, like, that's always going to be annoying. But, like, yeah. you're not going to win every game. And I, I looked at the points per game. And at the minute, Liverpool are, are on track for 84. But that's having played City, Chelsea, and United. So, like, realistically, it's probably 87. If Liverpool don't win the league of eighty-seven points, and you know, fuck the league, like you know, that's like that's that's a good points tally that you should be aiming for every season anyway. And it's going to be something special that beats it. And uh, yeah, so I, I would think that it's, it's going well, but I assume Shawnee thinks the wheels are coming off somewhere along the way. Uh, Kieran Thorn with a super chat he says people moaning about the midfield against Brighton, but the fact uh, the backup midfielders have contributed in moments this season. Ox with assists, Kate with goals. <laughs> they have contributed, and uh, this isn't a, this isn't a performance based thing. I'm I'm looking at. I'm just looking at the ins and outs and the consistent kind of oh he's out. The consistent kind of when's he back? And yeah. you know you get injuries and stuff like that, but this just seems to be a recording team. And I'm not like listen. I said it at the start of the season. We have that squad. I think we win the league. I'm still on that boat. Um, but I'm just it's just something that's in my mind is creeping in. Going this looks like it's compounding itself now constantly. Shani, um. The floor is yours. Gav, we did countless shows leading up to the season and everyone, the big concern for everyone was two defenders coming back, three defenders coming back from long-term injuries and Mm -hmm. I put my hand up on shows and said, I'm actually not worried at all about that because with today's football, the way it's gone, these long-term injuries aren't half as bad as they used to be. They don't seem to be any reoccurrence. It's, it's, It's become less likely now in the game. And I did say that the midfield for me was an issue because the fact of the matter is, and this can't be denied, we'd had, and I'm excluding Elliot from this because as Keith said, that was sort of like finding a bleeding fiver in your jacket pocket after a few weeks being a night out. That was just something we didn't expect to happen. That happened and you're like, oh, well, this is nice. So it was unfortunate that he got injured. But if you actually look at the makeup of our midfield, and I'm being honest here, right? Jordan Henderson, Last two or three years, misses large chunks of the season. Fabinho, last two seasons, has missed large chunks of seasons. He has, no doubt about it. Even the, even the 18, 19 season. James Milner, he's 67 years old. Completely understandable. <laughs> that's going to happen with him. Right? Utility player, that's grand. Thiago, 
throughout even his time at Bayern Munich, he was injury prone. He's a, he, he has been injury prone. He gets chopped down last year. He missed three months of the season. That can happen. Impact injury. But uh, another one for getting niggles in here and there. Naby Keita, where do I start? Since he's come into Liverpool, he's been a sick now. Hospital bed. Oxlade Chamberlain, another one who's been desperately unlucky with injuries. Now, I'm at the naming nearly every player near midfield there, bar Cordes Jones, Gav, yeah. that have been injury prone. All right? So, we saw this in August, September. And then, on top of that, you let Gini Wijnaldum go, a fella who played probably every minute of every season, looking for the last two years. Now, in fairness, looking at him now and playing for PSG, it's clear to see why they didn't give him a contract because he looks busted, all right? That's fair enough. So you need to look at it here, Gav. Five out of those seven players I mentioned have bad injury history. So how did the club not have the foresight to do a deal in the summer, whether it was getting one of the fuckers out or bringing someone else in? It was durable. Because it's going to come back to bite us, Gav. Yeah. You're turning around saying we've won this amount of games and about three points off the <coughs> He's drawn four games out of four ten Premier League games. Three of them at home. Mm. One of them away. Brentford away, you're getting a ding dong because our midfield can't get a hold of the game. All right. That was it. who what were we saying after that game? We need a Tiago in there today, someone like a Tiago to control the pace of that game. Where was he? He was fucking injured. Now <laughs> players get injured, and that's fair enough. Saturday, what happened? We were at the game. Jordan Henderson plays centre mid on his own. Now you can't tell me. You give Klopp any combination of players. The last fucking combination of three would have put in there was the three that we ended up with. There was absolutely no balance in midfield because we're being let down by players exactly who have been injury-prone in past seasons. How have the recruitment team and the manager not have been the ruthless enough to get rid of one of the fuckers who's always on the fucking sideline and bring someone in that we needed? Because that will be the difference between us not winning and winning this title. I'm telling you now, Draws kill title challenges. They do. We already have four. Gav, you're saying we're only three points off the top. It doesn't yeah. make a difference. Chelsea have come to Anfield. Chelsea have gone to other players. Like, this is what I'm trying to say to you. Well, we're getting bitten again. We got bitten last year when they didn't buy a centre-half when we needed one when Lovren went. And we're getting bitten this year when they didn't buy a midfielder when Genie went. No matter what way you put it, I don't care if you're... Look, you cannot turn around and say, oh, it's an Egypt, but it's not. Because fucking people have been saying this since August, September. We should have got a fucking midfielder in. There's nothing that you can't tell me otherwise. And if we don't do one in January, it'll be the fucking same story again. And yeah, Centurion the- in the chat is saying, what's the solution? There's fucking loads of solutions. Look at Basuma. He battered every one of our midfielders on Saturday. Yeah, well, how much will he cost? It doesn't matter. 50 million. 50 million, million for the Basuma. What city do it? Well, Chelsea do it. These are the ones you want. Yeah, to but they're in a different. They're in. We're in a different stratosphere to them. You know what I mean? We have not spent a penny, Keith, in the last three years. I know, but if you ask Klopp, this Shawnee, well, I and I, what Klopp, I'm if watching, you ask, if you ask Klopp, Klopp on the Klopp realm on his arm and cameras, he turned around and said, "You know what? I'd love to get rid of fucking Ox. I'd love yeah, to get him out and I'd love to get rid of Kate." Well, Kate is the one I'm thinking of. Kate is the one I'm going to ask about, right? So Kate is. Uh, our contract next summer, not this summer, next summer, isn't he? He's one of the one of the batch of them that are still with Mao and Firmino. And all. Be interesting to see if he gets a contract. 
or what happens with him. He doesn't want to because, sign one. He's already said he won't sign one because he wants a different role in the team. Do you know what I mean? Because he's injured with Royals cramp. It's so frustrating because it's literally another part of the se- another season <coughs> where we're literally just getting water out of the boat as we go along and hoping that the fucking it settles down and we make it. But I'm telling you now, it's only going to get worse because the fuck, but, but we're going to be playing games every two days in about six weeks. The only thing and I think Klopp is too loyal to his players. He's always been too yeah. loyal to his players. And, it and is, it- he's not going to throw out. I mean, getting rid of someone like Ox, he's on big money. Where are you going to go? And the first team that comes to mind on all of this is always West Ham. West Ham aren't going to touch him now. West Ham aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to be offloading Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to West Ham. This villain might take him, Colin, yeah, I don't know. It, it's so, just, it, again, and I don't, I'm not going to use the word negligence because negligence is way too strong of a word, but how have they, the recruitment now had the foresight? Like, what, what did he just turn around and go, well, maybe they won't get injured this year? No, I don't. I don't think that it is. I think, you know, I look at it. I think it's probably the the difficulty with getting players out. Um, and and don't get me wrong, you're right with regards to money being spent. And this is why I brought this up because, you know, some people looking at it as 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 a, you know, a bigger picture thing. I'm looking at it at the moment, going, you know what? It's just it's a niggling thing that's gone on and on. And we've seen it last season. We've seen it with a couple of these players throughout the Liverpool career. I.e. Um, Ox, who was flying at the time when he gets that injury against um, Roma in the Champions League semi-final. Keita has been a constant. Henderson, you're saying this. We, we've said this loads of times. It's not like me we're well, saying look, this. For, it, but we're, we're, it's not like we're saying this for the first time. We've said this loads of times. Yeah, without being, without being well, fucking, look, without shouting from the rooftops that we want the, the fucking owners yeah, out of the club or whatever. Go on. My frustration, Gavin, is with Klopp. Don't call me Gavin like, now. Be fucking <laughs> row here in a minute. Listen, my frustration is with Klopp because... Just fucking let the fella have a season where he's not squeezing every last drop out of everyone in the bleeding squad. You know, people turn around and go, our oh, club doesn't operate like that. Because he fucking, he walked, he managed Dortmund where he sold his best players every year. The fella is the best manager in the world by a bleeding country mile. If Pep, if you gave Pep or your man Conte's that they're going in there, they'd be in Lowman's after six weeks trying to juggle this squad in straight jackets, butting their head off walls. The fella is walking miracles, season in, season out. Yeah, and, and they that, know it. And that's why I brought up like, and it's interesting when you say about uh, Kate is a twenty, one of the twenty twenty two batch. So was Firmino, so was Mane, so was Salah. Yeah. Isn't that right? Um, yeah. So Ox you know, you, well, you, yeah, Ox. Oh, here I think we go. Might be a year later. Contracts, Gav. Hmm? We're talking about contracts and all being up now again. We did all the work in the summer again, nailing down all the big boys. And I do believe they will get Salatoy down. I do believe mm. that. But this is not me calling the bleeding owners out. This is on the recruitment. Yeah. No, it's just I, like I didn't, I, I didn't know I was going to get that strong a reaction. And um, to be honest with yeah, you, yeah, but like, think about it. Right? I just they, thought it was something they, to be discussed. They didn't give the, the fellas in the background. Obviously, said, "Hey, don't give Genie a contract. He's busted." So if they have if they have the intelligence and the foresight to pick that out, how could they not see that we would we would be light at stages in midfield this year? Because like you can't turn around saying, "Oh, these are unforeseen circumstances." This doesn't compare to last year. Last year, Virgil is on the end of a horror challenge. Like fucking Joe Gomez, we don't know what happened to him at England. That this all happened in the space of three weeks, and then Matip is Matip. Like that that was completely unmitigated now they probably could have signed one in and in the end you get Kanate who was obviously waiting on but who are they waiting on are they going to start telling us it's Bellingham now 
because he can get the fuck if you think anyone is going to swallow that. There's not a chance. Yeah, like that's that's a hundred million quid, um, and, and and those links were were, were rubbish by by his, himself and his father, I think, um, very very quickly after the, the original link came out. But you know, I think it's a, it's it's a hard discussion to have because when you talk about this, people think you're just like, oh, you're you're completely gone over the top, and you're you're you want. The, the owners out when you want fucking everything. I would have loved to be wrong. But it's on not this. even that. I think it's. I think like the way you are, the way I am. I think Charlie, you spoke well in it because you're just basically what you were saying is, look, you're agreeing with what we're all saying in that this is a recording team and it has something to be fixed. But you know, we've seen it. We've seen it happen, and then it's happening again, and it's just starting to. It's like I said earlier. It's, it's one step forward, two steps back. You know the sort of way and you're, you're constantly in that. Well. You're in that groove where it's just. You can't get out of it. You know, the sort of the way we can't get them all together. I don't think I'm going over on top saying here, and maybe Conan and even agree, if we had a done the extra body in midfield and forward, we'd piss this league. We would yeah. piss this league. Because we have the best starting eleven in world football, as far as I'm concerned. Genuinely. We got one to eleven in our team, and it's unbelievable. But the drop off is huge. Past the 14, 14, 15. Chelsea have effectively two teams now. Same as City. I suppose a, a good a good question though would be um because we're talking about the profile of midfielder and their function in the team and like I like Liverpool definitely have one of the best teams in the league or in the world. But is is it worth like if if you're if you were genuinely uh, like sort of part of that that discussion of of, of buying a player or spending the money and having all those like. I, I completely get that like you saw with foresight all these players because they have injury problems, but it is a big list of players as well. And and to sort of bring in one of those players, it might be or somebody to replace one of them. It would cost a lot of money, right? To, uh, and like you only really want somebody, and I really don't mean to to downplay what their job would be, but like you don't, I, I don't think you want to be spending fifty million on a player like that. You want them to come in and fulfill a very specific job and get the most out of your front three and your wing backs. I think for real. Oh, I get that, but it comes back to the bigger picture then of like, this team is getting on. It is aging. Yeah. And it really, and we, I think me and Gav and even Keith himself, we agreed that we're probably maybe a window or two behind and where we should be in terms of actually building this team for the next players because we actually need Klopp 2.0 now. We need Klopp's next, like the, the stat popped up it let to go away that it was the the oldest team in the competition that was fielded that match day. So they are getting on. And we're just leaving ourselves so much work to do in, in the following seasons that to kind of sit back and just do nothing. Can I, you're seeing the difference that Kanate comes in. Obviously, he wasn't great on Saturday, but you know there now, he's there for eight, nine years at the top. He's going to be a top-level player. We should be starting to see that now progressing through the team because we haven't actually done that. And that's my worry that Klopp actually hasn't got that long left. I think he's up in 2024. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be leaving it to chance with this fella. He should be maximizing every little thing you can with this fella and just giving him exactly what he needs. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't want it, just say, here, use it. Because I tell you what, if he had a sign of midfielder and bleeding this summer, he would have been getting games now. People yeah. turn around and say, or he won't get games in the team. Where is he going to play? He's not going to want to play. You heard even Tony today turn around going, I'll make myself the main man. If players are good enough, they'll back themselves to go in there and get the job. Don't look at Jota. 
So it shouldn't be these excuses that are they going to find it hard for a fella to come in and want it to be fourth, fifth choice? They don't see it like that. They see it as a challenge. Yeah, and like for real says there, he reckons Elliot's injury changed a lot. People say you can't rely on a young lad, but he would have remained a regular without that freak injury. A hundred percent, he would have. And you know, the freak injuries, I don't mind. I don't mind. They just happen. You know, and yeah. um, like I don't even count the Tiago one away or everything because. Well, it happened and, and it was horrendous. But I don't count that as he's unreliable. For me, he's had one injury since he's come back, come to Liverpool. For me, all right? Um, but it's the, it's the other stuff that just ticks over and it, you're firefighting all the time. And I think, you know, from I watched that game on Saturday and I just couldn't get over how bad the midfield were. And then when I looked at the makeup of it, Henderson was just going ballistic for the whole game because the two of the lads are attacking-minded players that were really needed defensively. If you if yeah. they, if they were on point defensively, like you lads have said, bring Fabinho back in. He just comes in and says, "You don't fucking go anywhere until I tell you." And yeah. you know, it, it basically would have been that you go nowhere until I tell you. And then when we win the ball, you do what you like, but you would get back in. And it was just so open. And I, well, it was just it kind of encapsulated for me the 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 firefighting that goes on a little bit. And that this isn't me going blah, 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 blah. It's, it's not. It's just it's just something that was in my head since Saturday and I just wanted to talk to you about it. And it was a brilliant discussion, so well done to everybody. Um, I, I, I forgot. Oh, no, I have. There you go. Well done to everybody on that. That was amazing. Um, well done. I just wanted to use a sound effect, you know that. Um, but look, the season so far, because we're r- r- rapidly running out of time, I'm go- I just want to pick you, t- I want you to pick a team each, and I want you to go on the basis of they've really impressed me, they've really been shit, or like, who even are they, because they just, they're so middle of the road, it's untrue, right? So, um, Keith, I'm going to come to you first. The league so far, um, I'm just going to pop the league table up on the screen there for you. So you have C- Chelsea, Liverpool City, and West Ham hold the top four, you know you're just behind Arsenal, coming up on the rails I suppose and um, then you have Wolves Brighton Spurs Everton Leicester Brentford Palace um, and Southampton right in mid-table proper mid-table then you have Villa Watford Leeds Burnley Newcastle Norwich on the bottom out of all those Keith um, just quickly pick me a team that's been really impressive really appalling or just so average that you, you're nearly forgetting they're in the league uh, okay, impressive. Um, it's easy to go for West Ham, but I'm no, no, no. I just want you to pick one of impressive, oh, one average, or thing. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Um, it's a hard. I mean, Norwich have played in Dort, haven't they? But <laughs> I'm gonna go for Wolves as the most impressive because I didn't realize they were seventh in the league. That was shocking me. West Ham are fourth, and it should be them. But I sort of expected them to build on last season, whereas I thought Wolves would have fell off a cliff when the great Nuno left, and they haven't. So Wolves surprised me. Okay. Um, Colin? Uh, yeah, like West Ham is, is the obvious answer, but mostly because it's fresh in my mind. The, the, like, I got spanked by them, but coming up to that game, like we knew that that, that was going to happen. Like It was just West Ham or that level now where it was like, fuck, like they're... They're stronger than us. They're bigger. They're way more streetwise. They're going to have a field day with us. We knew their midfield was going to dominate. And the, the present thing is every single one of those things came to play. So West Ham are just at that level now where they're just a cut above everybody else, like the the middle pack. Yeah, okay. Shawnee, good, bad or indifferent? I'm going to go with good. I'm going to say Palace. Palace have really, really, really impressed me at times this, this year. Mostly because of Vieira, like 
I've watched them a few times now. I watched them at home to Spurs. I watched them away to Arsenal where they're, they're really unlucky. Every game I've watched them play, I can literally see the style of play. I can see the same patterns of play throughout the team. And uh, some individuals have been really good. Conor Gallagher, uh, special mention to him. Mm. I think it, it was one that I didn't expect to go well. I thought he would have been one who was out by Christmas because I know little or nothing about him as a coach. But I think they've drawn six of their games. Yeah. It turns out he's a, like a really apt coach. And I think they will get better under him as well. They made some good signs. I think Edward, uh, if he didn't bleed and stopped playing for Celtic six months before the end of his time, he, 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 he would have been, yeah, been at a far better side than he was now. But I've been impressed by Palace. Um, and even with that TIFO in the stand last week against Newcastle. So they get a thumbs up for that. Okay. Uh, indifferent. <laughs> I'm gonna keep the pos- I'm gonna keep the positivity going because there's no point in talking about Norwich or Burnley. So um, I'm going to go with Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, I think they have a proper manager on their hands, a really, really, really proper manager on their hands. The way he handles himself, um, you know, do you know what impressed me the most? He he came out with a quote last week, and I think it might be in you, Sean. You were talking to me about, and he said, he said Salah isn't world class. He's out of this world class. And then he brought his side to Anfield and they could have been 3-0 down after 30 minutes, but they stuck at it and they improved and improved and improved. And not only improved, but seeing Liverpool's frailties in midfield and actually carried out a plan to hurt them. And we, we, we spoke about Brighton. I think they hit the post or the bar the most times last year. And they had the biggest XG in the league last year and they, they couldn't score goals. And... They needed a striker, and they didn't seem to look like they went and solved that. But you're seeing players start to chip in a bit more from the wide areas. He's got he's got them playing in a way where their wide men are getting a lot more chances now as well. And I think to see them where they are after last season, I think is is unbelievable. And they'll be very lucky to hold on to him in the next eighteen months, in my opinion. Very very lucky. And something you said to me earlier, um, Colin, our set was all we were all here. We all heard it. Um, and you said I don't know what the natural upgrade is. He's your upgrade. On Dean Smith, for me, I think the, the style of player or the style of manager he is, the way he gets teams playing, and the players that you have at Villa, I think he'd be exceptional for Aston Villa. I was listening to Conan's pod earlier, so I'm looking forward to this. Right. <laughs> I um I don't want to jump ahead, Gav, right? But I had a mm. I had Graham Potter down as the biggest winner this mm. week. Well, we can we go can... into winners and losers. So who's your, your winner is Graham Potter? So let's go there. Yeah, but. But a lot of it was sarcastic, right? Like, no, I want, I want okay, for the Okay, oh, are we going to have a row? Do I need to go and get cans? I, I want for the record, like, you know, I, <laughs> I completely respect Graham Potter. I think he is a class manager. Um, I think he's brilliant. I, I think Dean Smith's a really good manager as well. But, um, like, yeah, but, like, just in the, in the short term, like, I know they got a good result against Liverpool, but mm-hmm. they haven't won in six games. Like, you know, so it does fascinate me, like, you know, these people... They get that sort of, they get into the, the public psyche and then when things aren't going well for other clubs like Villa, it's like they have a look around and it's like, right, get me Graham Potter. Again, he's doing a good job. That's the last time I qualify that. But like Brighton have spent money as well, the same way Villa have. Like they, they've, they've had a net spend of, of 200 million in their first three years in the Premier League. Now, Potter's been in now for a year extra than that. But um, like they have spent, like that's what you have to do to stay in the Premier League. And I think right. I think they are better. I think they're more stable. But Chris Shooten had them 16th and 17th. 
Potter's had them 15th and 17th, I think. So it's it's not that big a big a leap that he's taking them on to. Not yet, anyway. And again, like we know he's a good manager and stuff like that. But I think he's the biggest winner because even though I think it's going all right for him, I don't think it's going exceptionally well. And it's like your it's like your stock goes up when you're when you're not as uh, when you're not a, as big a focal point in the in the conscious of everybody. Like it's like when you, Tim Howard's playing with Everton compared to Tim Howard playing with United. We're not watching him every week. We're not detailing every single pass or every every time he goes up for a corner. We just assume that he's doing well. But once he's in the big time, then you really get the spotlight on him. And I think a bit of that's happening with Graham Potter at the minute. Like so, even though. It's ticking along nicely, even though he's still doing a good job because he's a good manager. I think he has just leapt about 10 places above where you're telling me he's a complete upgrade on Dean Smith. And, you know, he's linked with a Spurs job and the Newcastle job. And, you know, I, I assume like if we're, if we're going to keep talking about Liverpool contingency plans, and he might well be, but like, you know, Graham Potter will eventually come into the conversation if we were a year down the line. Um, so he's the biggest winner for me this weekend because. Uh, yet again, they didn't win, but yet again, he has won. <laughs> yeah, and look, going up. yeah, I think I think his I think his stock is going up, and and I get where you're coming from with where they finished with Brighton, but and but look, Aston Villa are a way bigger club than than Brighton, way bigger. They're on a different level for me, right? But I think when I look at Graham Potter. And not only the job he's done this season, I think the job he's done last season and the way he's tried to get them playing football and he has, he's kind of nurtured this team into playing that way. And he comes with a, a, a big, um, fairly big coaching reputation. What I mean by it is if he jumps Brighton from 15th or 17th, wherever he finished last season, and he puts them eight in, the se- in this year, I think because of this, and I know the money that's being spent and, and I get all that, because of the size of the club and, and the players he can attract, regardless, because you, you just pay more money as a Premier League club anyway, I think if you went into Villa, I think they've better players. I think they've a better structure. I think they're a bigger club. They've more expectation. But I think his style of football at Villa will go down really, really well. And I would I would look at Villa as probably, at the moment, in around 10th in the Premier League would be my level at Villa. I think he could push them right into a European spot. I genuinely do. I, and... It might never happen, but I think I think I, I think you'd have a great chance um, if he moved to a bigger club. But he's your winner of the week. Who's your loser of the week? My loser of the week is Daniel Levy. Yeah, so he's gotten he's gotten his man. It's a good appointment, but um, there, I, I think there's a just just some bollocks around Daniel Levy where he's this shrewd operator. Like, and we're, we keep keep getting told, especially by Sky fucking sports, that Daniel Levy is just like, you know, he's he's great with his money, like, and he's he's tough and he drives a hard bargain. Daniel Levy, we all mentioned it, should have signed Conte in the summer. He was like, Conte was leaving Inter Milan. Inter Milan were bust. He wanted to go. He spoke to him. Like, there's, there's no difference. Now, the only difference is 10 games later and Spurs have less of a chance of getting to where Conte wants him to go. But Daniel Levy, being the shrewd operator he is, didn't go for him, went down the list, down the list to somebody who we all said was never going to work. It was just, it was it was set up for Nuno to fail, never mind it being a a weird appointment anyway. Now he has to pay, like Shawnee said, he has to pay Nuno 12.5 million. I know he's paying Conte probably way more than he was. I think it's 15.5 million a year he's paying him now. Like, uh, like I'd say that was a way easier deal for for Conte to talk about, you know, when they came back to him pleading, like, please help me. Or as Keith alludes to, please help me get into Europe. So 
once again, Daniel Levy is just paying over the odds for something. And I think I think I have this inbuilt thing now against him because uh, I, I'll never forget, like Villa were in the championship and he came with this poxy offer for Jack Grealish. Grealish wanted to go. He thought he was going to Spurs. Three million plus Josh and Oma. Get the fuck out of here! Like, you know? <laughs> uh, do you know what? Do you know what? You may be right to hate that man till the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you're know, kicking you when you're down. Like and and again, the thing was like you know Levy's not going to spend over the odds for a championship player. Jack Grealish went for a hundred million three years later. Like you know, so he could have had a hundred million pound asset, another one sitting at his club if he had to just spent. Villa were looking for twenty five million, I think. Yeah, like it wasn't a lot. I remember Josh, it. Yeah. Like we we can do a whole podcast on the fact that he thinks Josh Anoma was worth seventeen million. <laughs> Never mind that, <laughs> that it was just that and three million. So it's like, that was a, that was a waste of money. I think he's wasting money of Harry Kane now because his value is just plummeting. Yeah. <laughs> the longer that he, 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 he walks around, like will, will he ever get offered? Was it one hundred and twenty million Man City put in? Will he ever get offered that again? Nah, like Gonzo. And it's like having just, a hundred million Ferrari in your garage, and yeah, <laughs> your man beside you saying that Ferrari you have there goes what he goes. Keep yeah, and like it's, it's nice to look at, and it's done the job and all. But like we haven't really done that, with that and exactly. it keeps it keeps breaking down. Uh, yeah, man across the road wants to pay well over what it's worth. I think you should let it go. <laughs> no, no, not letting it go. Stick it to yeah. the principles. On one hundred twenty million, or he's not gone. Uh, Daniel, I really think you should. I think like with the hundred twenty million, you might be able to plow her in. And now, now I'm keeping them. I said it. I'm shrewd. I'm Daniel Levy. I'm not giving up a penny. Daniel, that car keeps fucking breaking down, mate. I think you should get rid of it. Get rid of the car, Daniel. Yeah, get rid of the yeah. car. Right now the car is honking a cat shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's His missus there. is running a muck at him now. See you on Daniel. that poxy car down in that garage. Uh, he's hiding receipts for the motor factors and everything. Yeah, I know, I know where it's going. The best um, thing Daniel Levy has done in the last 12 months is fucking pay Eddie Hearn to let Leighton Usyk punch the head off fucking Anthony Joshua in the centre circle because <laughs> yeah. everything else has gone to pot. Around but that's Honestly, like God, a, I, it's it's all predicated on Daniel Levy just wanting Spurs to be in that element as well, like you know, just be in the big time, like and be show business and and because they're a London club, because they've got a lovely stadium, it is pushed by Sky and probably the the national media as well, like where they're so desperate for Spurs to be in a league club too, and and that's where we get all that bullshit then about the the Spurs style of football. Spurs change their manager every eighteen months. Like, what? What is their style of football? Like, and the the amount of players they come through. The, the only managers want a trophy with them is Juan de Ramos. Was he playing yeah. the Spurs style of football? Like, and nobody harps back to Juan de Ramos as they. So. The Spurs, the Spurs way come from um, Huddle and and they remember our dealers had like six oh, I've, I've um, seen that Ricky Villa going more times than I see me bleeding now, brothers. For Jesus' sake, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's but that's yeah, right. Like that, and there is, and it comes like you hear of an Arsenal way. The Arsenal way killed Arsenal for fifteen yeah. years. It really has. Um, yeah, but um, I think that's a good loser. So I'm going to point for Colin there, and um, I'll give you two points for Potter. Right? Is that okay? Um, I don't know why I've started a point system, but I'm just handing them out now. <laughs> yeah, um, Shoddy, uh, I'll tell you the scores at the end. I might be. Um, I, I have an air horn that I'm going to let off just to let people know. Um, Shawnee, um, winner plays. I'm going to go with uh, Arteta Gav and Arsenal because mm-hmm. we were we were talking about this manager merry go round and how easier it is for clubs to kind of uh, get rid of managers now and. 
just try again and just keep throwing money on it because that's actually what Arsenal have done. They've spent an awful lot of money. And I remember in the summer when they signed the four or five players that they signed going, what, what, what's going on here? Arsenal had to spend in 150 million and they're literally no better now than they were before they spent a penny. And then I watched the thing with your man Edu and he came out and said, look, we were wrong. We signed players like Willian against Arteta's will and we got him out and we delivered it. And Arteta basically came out in the first game of the season and said, all of these players that I'm at the bringing in now, these are my players and this is my team. And there was a bit of a pile on at the start of the season when they literally had a mishmash of a back five and a lot of their players are missing. But every time I watch them now, they're getting better. They're getting they're getting much better. Every player he's brought in, you can see that fifth for purpose. Ramsdale has been brilliant. Now I know we're all saying I, I laughed at the, the idea of him signing. And it's kinda of like yeah, just kinda of waiting for him to shit himself, like at some stage. But he's been absolutely brilliant. Ben White beside Gabriel and Tommy Yasu. They look brilliant together. Tommy uh, Yasu is a great sign for them. Yeah, they just look solid as a unit. You can see that they're well coached. You can see that Arsenal are well coached. And that's the big thing. You have Smith Rowe coming in. He was one of the most exciting young players in England. They do well to get Odegaard back. They've got Partey in there. i just really seen for the first time now in a long time at Arsenal trying to do and a little bit of perseverance with Arteta. And he's done well. And one thing I like about Arteta is you see with some of these coaches, for example, Ole talking about Tyson Fury getting up after an eight count last week. Oh, Brendan Rodgers going on there. Brendan Rodgers towards the back end of his time at Liverpool. When the pressure's on, you see the fakes by a mile. They talk an apparent amount of shit. Arteta never did. He always took blame. He always took responsibility. He never came out with that and stupid or daft. You always felt like, well, he's being honest, and you kind of you see him with him, like. He wasn't afraid to ruffle a few feathers. He fucked the Bamiyang off the day before. He was the captain in North London Derby because he was acting bollocks and ill-discipline. And he just fucked them off. He just said, that's it. You're not playing today. You're out of the team. And he showed a bit of authority. And it's starting to turn around now because he even has him playing again. He has a Bamiyang getting a tune out of him again. He's pulled him out of Moya. So fair play to him. And they look like they might be able to actually sneak into top four. And the reason why I say that is because is they're literally playing one game a week now mm. until May and they've yeah. a big squad and he is a good manager like people were, he was getting the sticker he used to put cones out for Pep my bollocks like Pep wouldn't have him around if he, if he wasn't worth his salt so fair play to him uh, Tete I think he's done a really really good job at turning it around and when nobody else believed in him he seemed to believe in himself and he seems to have them players playing for him which is really good considering half the fan base were shouting for him to leave and wanted him out after three games. So he's my winner of the week. And that was, a, I think they have, I, I could say now with confidence that they have torn the corner now because I think everyone looked at that game on Saturday, half 12 away to Leicester thinking this will be sort of that test. And it looks like to me that they're torn in the corner. Mm, fair enough. Um, I don't agree with you, but fair enough. Um, because uh, loads of reasons, but we, 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 when, the, hey, when, they lose, when they lose, when they lose, when they lose the next one, we'll have another chat around it. What? I don't really care if you disagree with me. I know. I'm I know you don't. I don't, I don't really care if you disagree with me either. Um, but because uh, me and Shani, we're all right, aren't we, Shani? 
Do people think so, me and Shawnee row all the time, don't they? No, we're all good. Yeah, me and Gavin the crack in Liverpool on, oh, with on some the weekend. Crack. Don't worry about some it. crack we had. Um, losers play, Shawnee. Uh, Man City and Spurs and Levy and the whole lot of them. Like, I can't think of a time when, because of one transaction, everyone lost out. City, City couldn't get Kane in. There's games that he can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo at home. Like you've seen it, Southampton nil all, beaten, well beaten the weekend. City looked like the, the City the year we ran away with the league. No fight, no interest. They go 1 0 down and they go absolutely Russia. Fucking Zaha has given Laporte the jockey back up the pitch because he just wants to pull him down. No discipline at all. I actually think that City might start to slip a little bit. I don't think that Grealish hasn't worked out. I'm sure you had the light counting. I don't think he's. I don't think he's pulled up any trace since going there. He just looks like exactly what he said he'd be. Another player, another Mares, another one there in the half. Another one like that's that's one of the ones that annoys me. Like because like your Pep, everyone was so willing to praise Pep for it. We're going to take Grealish on to the next level. Grealish has gotten worse of anything. He's he's another number ten there. He's another number ten there. It, they would have been better off signing Buendia. Like, that's the... Because it's literally what, what it's done. Like, you know what I mean? They, they were good against us, yeah, fair enough. But I've just seen that little bit of... No backbone. They look like that. No backbone side the City uh, on Saturday. And then Spores, they're just, they're just a shit job. Yeah, Hardy can't... I can see how annoyed you are getting in the pub on Saturday at Harry Kane. <laughs> oh, and I don't, I've no the even. had his phone in his sock, I think. He was I, on his WhatsApp, like. The I, I've, I've, I couldn't get over it, and like, I've no love for Spores or, or United, but I was literally saying to you when they look, it wasn't even when he didn't have, it was well, not when he had the ball. When he had the ball, he just looked hesitant and he was kind of wandering with the ball. It wasn't when he hadn't got it. He wasn't making runs into the box. He wasn't looking for passes. He was just wandering around the pitch. Like the goal um, Ronaldo gets, it comes out to the edge of the box and I think it might be Maguire comes onto it. And Kane takes about three steps towards Maguire. And because Maguire pushes the ball five yards away, doesn't chase him, doesn't do anything. He just literally, he actually runs the opposite direction towards United's goal as if to say, well, that's none of my business. But the centre half of Manchester United is 20 yards from your goal. And you're the nearest man to him, but it's none of your business. And he just, oh, so much to say on Harry Kane, but it's 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 ridiculous. Um, but it's but, amazing how the media don't sort of get on his case. You know, when you see the lack of effort, that yeah, because you can tell you Harry Kane, yeah, because you can tell people it's new now with Spirit of Santos for, for, yeah. fault. Um, no, that's a good loser as well. I like that you've thrown two teams in there, which I like. I, um, I just think, I, I just think we see. It just looks again to the type of... They normally just think they can just turn up at home and beat teams, but it's not the case. Look at... And, and do you know what, Gav? It's the same with us on Saturday. There was a little bit of what about Rio's on Saturday where we went 2-0 up, man. We're grand here. Yeah, there was. They're smelling ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's why Chelsea might have the edge because they, they haven't got over the line in the league yet with Tuchel and the yeah, home seems to desert. Well, definitely City, but... Just look like the was on Saturday that we went our way grand here. We're mm. fucking cruising. And to be honest with you, like as Andy was saying to us the other day, Chelsea haven't hit a patch at all. 
and everyone hits a bad patch. It's all about where 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 others are when you hit that patch and how you react and how they react to you. A little bit like when Liverpool got those injuries last season and City smelt it and went right and went on a, a massive run because yeah. they, they knew they could back themselves. Um, I keep getting this question in the chat, right? So I'm going to address it again for the last time. Is Grizz no longer part of the Trippers? Is Avi now a solo act like the Jackson 5 breaking up? No, Grizz does a show on a Thursday night with the LFC Day Trippers. He's going to be doing the odd Sunday as well, but at the moment he's working on his own YouTube channel, okay? And that's his priority at the moment, and that's it. There's nothing else to be said about it. He isn't doing <laughs> as many shows with us as he used to. He's doing shows for himself, and he still does a show here in authority. I'm not going through this again. I keep getting on. This stuff happens in the training ground. Fights are natural in the training yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I reckon I could take him anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so, moving on. Um, Keith, you're up next. Yes. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Shani, you get three points as well. It's going to be a draw, by the way, just to let you know. Point oh, wise. Um, so, so, Keith, show us how you're going to get this three points. Winner, please. Raul Jimenez is my winner. Um, Raul Jimenez scores last night. Uh, his first home goal is it for for Wolves since he fractured a skull. And the reason I've gone for Raul Jimenez is, and I touched on Wolves being my surprise pack of the season. I was expecting them to stink the place out when they got rid of Nuno. Not because I thought Nuno was anyway a spectacular manager, but they brought in Bruno Lage and. They lost uh, Rui Patricio and Brighton Jose Saad. And I thought there was a lot of changes there that went on. And I didn't know if, you know, the likes of Connor Cody would, you know, a new manager comes in, we have different ideas. But they've actually done well. And Jimenez has come back from a fractured skull. And I was dubious about if he would be able to. Because the one that sticks in my head was the, P- the Peter Cech does his head when that till what year was that? 2004, 2005 or something when um Stephen Hunt collides with him. And he wears the helmet ever since then. In FIFA twenty one, if you signed him, I went into the negotiations. He has I hadn't got on him, on him in the negotiations. He does, yeah, he does. Oh he has my it on him God, in the negotiations. That's amazing. Okay. But that's not to be little like, but <laughs> <laughs> he gets four points. I don't care what he says. <laughs> I think he might have stolen this at the end. <laughs> Are you telling me that Peter Check in FIFA twenty one goes in for yeah. a contract negotiation and he sit with the yeah. fucking man with the hat and, and a suit? <laughs> Do you reckon 100%. he wears it getting the big shop in? He could do, yeah. I'd yeah. say so. He's, okay. And that's my point. Oh, well, Conan wants in. Go on, Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are you managing, Keith? Why were you trying to sign Raul Jimenez? I know. I was trying to sign Peter Cech. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I <laughs> actually seen him. Sign him for a water polo team and he's seen the little hat in him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Now I... He does get a picture of that. He does. He wears the hat and win the negotiations on FIFA. But um, and that that's the sort of thing was ever since that happened to Peter Cech, he always had to wear the the hat. Now I know different injuries, Skull different cap. level of injuries, mm. um, that that happens, and especially around the head. But for Jimenez was a player who he would use his head a lot more. Is there, that him there? there he is in the negotiations. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. There you go. Shani, take a screenshot of that. Check. Take a screenshot of that and uh, what's happened to me and I'll throw up a yeah. screen for everybody. Just in case things go. got feisty in the boardroom, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah there <laughs> you go. You never know when it did get thrown. <laughs> but, like, Czech's a goalkeeper and realistically, already he has that collision with Hunt and it's it's a bit of a freak. They won't usually get a head injury in goal, you know what I mean? 
they can do, but it wouldn't be that common. Whereas Jimenez is a centre forward, and he was a centre forward that sort of uses his head, and he'd be up in challenges and things like that. And to see him back playing, I didn't think I would see him back. I thought he might have, you know, recovered and he would have got a token sort of late cup appearance for Wolves, and then would have sort of moved back to you know back to Portugal and back to Mexico then down the line and it's just great to see that he he's back playing and he, he looks sharp as well you know he's got a few goals this season and he does look like he has improved not improved but that he's got back to a, a good level that he's on so I just felt yeah that he was the the winner of the week for me okay. but Peter Cech's jumping in a joint winner of the week as yeah well. Peter Cech's definitely getting a match um, okay loser of the week please Aston Villa yeah. Okay, Aston go on. Villa. Um Hero to zero here. Go on. Yeah. No, and look, it's it's not it's not really too bad, Conan, to be honest. I I, <laughs> I am a fan of Aston Villa uh, as a club. The same way, you know, I like big traditional clubs like Leeds, like Villa, you know, these clubs younger fans don't really respect or really understand the, the size and magnitude of some of these clubs. And when Villa came back up, I was actually, you know, glad to see them coming up traditional big club they've a bit of money behind them and they've a manager in Dean Smith who I like because you know he, when he was at Brentford it's similar to Graham Potter in a way that he's not your typical English manager you know and even though he, he looks like he could be a Sean Dyche or a you know Steve Bruce type character he is actually more of a tinker than some of these traditional English managers so I thought they were improving you know they done well last season and I thought they'd push on this year and he's lose Jack Rilish. And I think that was an that was inevitable, really, for every day you go. There you go. Who's who's signing him? Um, Forty-five grand a week he's on as well, and that's pretty recent. Yeah. It's a great life. There you go. I can't it's, believe it's that. Life. That's no, absolutely amazing. <laughs> but uh, go on, sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah, no, it was inevitable that they were going to lose Grealish. and what I was sort of thinking is. Spend that money well, and they can push on again. Because yeah. the makeup of the the top four, I know a lot of people were expecting United to be better, and you know you, they bring in Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane, you expect them to be good. But there was, you know, the the drop off after that. I think Spurs and Arsenal looked like they were going to be in a decline, and there was an opportunity really to go up into fifth. Do what West Ham have done to go up there and to really push into the mix. And if someone does drop out, your sort of position. And the signings they've made, you know, it just it, it they're good names, but it hasn't been really well thought out in my opinion. So they brought in. Danny Ings, who I think is a better player than Ollie Watkins, to be honest. But he had Ollie Watkins, who was a big money signing. He'll do a lot of hard work. But he always played with one striker. Didn't he always play the, the one yep. forward up there? And he brought in another striker. So you've upset the balance there. They bring in Wendy. Wendy had done well for Norwich in the Premier League. He didn't get many goals, but he did a lot of uh, chance creation, all that, them mad stats that come out. You know, he created a lot that they weren't scoring, but he was. He was a decent player. But they brought in Leon Bailey as well. And you're like, right, well, Bailey's going to be, he's a winger. You brought in two forwards. Where's Buendia going to play? And it just seemed like they bought the wrong players to see how he played. And there's nothing wrong with signing good players. But I just thought they, they could have done better. I think, you know, when you've marvellous Nakamba still getting games in your midfield, I think they could have done better maybe in centre mid. Do you know what I mean? I think... Yeah. 
it's easy. I mean, again, I listen to your part all the time, Colin. It's excellent. Anyone that doesn't listen, you're on it. But I know you're giving stick to my target at the moment. That is absolute stock in the show these days. So yes. where do, where is it now, Ashley Young? That's the the option. You know, Ashley Young is your option to to come in for my target. Could they have upgraded maybe a fullbacks? Because we know fullback now is such an important part in the modern game, and. You know, you look at the likes of Manchester United, they spent 50 million on, on Aaron Wan-Bissaka and he's not really a modern fullback. Could they have maybe utilised their fullbacks a bit better? It just seemed very scattergun. And we're seeing the effects now. The only wins they've had in the last eight or nine were against Everton and United, which go down well in his parts, in fairness. But they're losing everything else around that. And I just don't understand, you know, the, the, the approach to this season is... What does it come down to? What's what's the reasoning behind it? Jesus, Colin, he's fucking pinned to the wall there, kid. <laughs> no, like, it's funny because I agree with everything he said, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> it, it, it it comes down to the midfield. Like um, like we, it, it is like interesting. Like Ings is a weird signing, right? Um, we have four good centre halves, and in a way, it's like in an ideal world, you you would have all that anyway because you want that competition. You want like just. Like the way we were talking about Liverpool now at the minute, you want to be able to uh, cater for when people are injured. But uh, like Villa just had priority. Like Villa's team still isn't ready. Like you know to worry about like having a really good second striker to come into the mix. Like you know, they still need two midfielders at least. Um, they're very top heavy then in that <laughs> wide area, and then almost like the Solskjaer thing. And this is what worried me about Dean Smith now this year. Um, like you know. Solskjaer went to a 5-3-2. Like, you know, people call it a 3-5-2, but it was a 5-3-2 because it had Wan-Bissaka and Shaw and uh, Wan-Bissaka wasn't getting forward. And, you know, then just all those players in that were never going to see game time if he, if he persisted with that. Like, all, all, like, you know, Sancho was obviously a big money signing. And then, like, again, and this, this is what worries me because we've been hammering Solskjaer all season. And then, like you see, thirty minutes into the game tonight, Solskjaer just takes off a defender for a striker, and it's like, like what? Like, what are you working on in training? Like, you know, you, your your plan can't be we can't go one nil down because you always fucking go one nil down. So if your system, <laughs> if your system is relying on you not going one nil down, it's a it's a really bad system, and and and, and that's what's happening with Villa. Like they were going you can come on here every week, right, and just absolutely <laughs> lash things at people over, and just randomly, like literally, we could be talking about anything, and you just go, no, stop. I have something to say, and you can just go for it because I'm fucking having a great time here. <laughs> It's only when Villa are going badly, but um, yeah, and and like that's so that's it. Like Villa's Villa's team aren't good. Was Dean Smith went all in on Jack Grealish, right? And and that made sense because he had a player who was way better than everybody else. And like I know everybody was right in hindsight for me. Like I thought Grealish would definitely have stayed this year. I think I was on here in the summer arguing with Jamie saying, "Nah, nah, nah, he'll 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 be here for another year." I thought he would have given it another year. Um, and Smith obviously thought that as well. And then they just, like, the players just aren't confident. Like, there was two weeks there, like you mentioned, the Everton and Villa, or Everton United games. They played Chelsea, got beat, but they played really well. Played them in the middle yeah. of the week in the League Cup with their second team. Fucking hammered them. And we were thinking, Jesus, Villa are in a good place right now. But once you scratch the surface, almost like, Shauna, you're right about Arsenal, but I'm sort of waiting for them just to be hit with a bit of adversity again and see how they deal with it. And once Villa meet that, like they just, they don't react and the players 
all go back in their heels. They all hide again. They don't have that midfielder to take control of a game, and it just spirals out of control. They're they're young and experienced, and they're flaky, and they just need more big time players around them. And that's what Grealish gave you, but um, Grealish is gone. So let's give Keith minus two for his points total. For his- <laughs> how have I ended up doing this? Rabbit hole? John- Jonathan Jonathan says, "I'm hey, um, watching that match in a pub on Saturday and on Sunday watching yeah. the game and." I seen Ashley Young running around in a in a village age, you know. He thought he was having a fight. He actually shouted. He actually shouted at us. We are sitting there. Shawnee was to my right. Andy was beside me, and Shawnee's other half was beside me there. And literally, Ashley Young flashed up on the screen, and Shawnee turned and shouted at me, "Ashley fucking Young!" And I went, "Yeah, feel it." And he went, "Oh, what the fuck is going on here?" I turned around and looked again. I seen Martin O'Neill and he was whipping balls into John Carew. I was saying, <laughs> you put the blame in the Premier League years on, put the match back on. Will you for fuck's sake? We didn't know what was going on. It was um, even the worst of it. Actually, actually, Young was playing centre midfield for Aston Villa. Like, this is, like, we, we, I think we were saying this in the podcast, the fucking Premier League, and we have John McGinn, Nakamba, and Ashley Young as our three man midfield. Like, just yeah. relegate us. Like, that is shameful. <laughs> <laughs> we think we have problems. <laughs> um, but no, listen, um, Villa have got a good out in there, and uh, I think they'll be all right. Um, they're missing yeah. Ings. They're definitely missing Ings. They should be more than all right, though. Like, the, <laughs> I think the fans should expect. I, I, I hate the. The entitlement culture in football these days, but I think Villa fans should be in the same kind of boat as the Newcastle fans. Where look, they are a fucking big club. They should be, they should be expecting more. You know what I mean? They should be looking at getting into Europe and being like a Leicester and being like those other clubs, uh, like a West Ham, because they deserve it. The fans deserve it. Ultimately, they do, and they have got money there in behind. They just need to sort out the fucking recruitment. Yeah. Well, Jonathan yeah. um, Jonathan says that Conan enjoys a rant about Pep too, which is very enjoyable. And Kevin Ball um, backs that up by saying, um, this Villa fan is hilarious. Get him on more, lads. He's <laughs> welcome any week. Um, he's forced me <laughs> name on the t- team sheet when he's available um, because yeah. I just love the way Conan just takes no shit. The, Ash- and just the Ashley Young <laughs> of the day. <laughs> absolutely fucking <laughs> lamps into people. I love it. Um, so that's all. That's everybody there. Um, Roy, uh, my winner of the week, and I'm going to do this quick because we're running out of time. Uh, my winner of the week is Patrick Vieira. Um, I felt very sorry for him um, at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago when Arsenal snatched a 2-2 draw and they shouldn't have. Um, it was just one of those goals where you look going, ah, oh, fucking hell. You don't mind if it's a cracker. But but this was um, this was um, unbelievable uh, how it felt to Lacazette. But what he does there with Palace at the weekend, um, they get a good goal. They They... They expose City, who have a man sent off, and the second goal is just brilliant. The way they're so cool and calm, and, and it's a and it's a brilliant finish. Um, it's it's just one of those. I've seen a tweet here from this guy Kelvin. He says, "I really thought the part we are would be a bad pick for Crystal Palace, but my days with the signing he had brought in and Eze showing uh, slowing coming back from injury, Palace will maybe finish top half of the table this season, and I hope they do." Um, I've no I've not love fucking that for for Crystal Palace. Don't get me wrong. It's just um, I kind of worried about him when he came in as well um, because do you remember they brought in was it the Ronald ball. the Bar? Or f- one of them, yeah, Frank. yeah Frank. Frank, and um, and it was an Could absolute football game. Oh, it, was a, it was a car crash. 
Yeah, yeah. Chris the Bog would have done a decent job as as opposed to Frank the Ball. But um my Liverpool steak I actually remember match of the day. They lost the first nine games, didn't they? They didn't win they did, they'd no I don't know whether they lost the first nine, but I think he was sacked after four four straight yeah. games. Hodgson comes in and saves the day. Well, I just remember going, Motheridge, yeah. It's all Derby are always the parameter, aren't they? Like, remember that yeah. Derby team who are up? And that's been leveled at Norwich now. Really. Oh, and Norwich going to be worse than Derby. They might be. I said it to you on the pub on Sunday. I think there's a very good chance that Norwich don't break 10 points this season. Genuinely. Because <sighs> I just look at them and go, they're so naive. They're so bad at the back. I don't know what they have going forward. And they need to get Pilkey going, I think. If they can get something out of Pilkey, I think we can be onto something really good there. I think yeah. I think he's the man to turn that around. Because he got goals in the Premier League before and he just hasn't been able to deal with this. It's because so it's, it's because of it's because of the players around him as well. They're not they're not yeah, giving them much. Good number ten type creator like. Um I think he's he's an all rounder up there. And I just think yeah. they've brought in players and they've been unlucky. I mean their recruitment, they brought in Billy Gilmore, he was a good player and he can't break into the team. They've aired Laddows and Quebec in there who we were going to keep <laughs> dodge the bullet with him. And uh Rashika as well, who a lot of us were, you know, We'd have took him last year because we were linked with him, you know. We take anybody that we're linked with, and you go to Norwich, and it's like, Jesus Christ, lads, what's going on here? It's yeah, I don't know if they're going to. Uh, I can't see them getting many points, many wins, even with all the firepower they have. I just can't see it happen. Yeah. Um, but look, Vieira is definitely my um, Vieira is, I don't know what she was fucking doing that. Um, Pizza brick, that's why, all right. Um, but anyway, Vieira, um. I think he's done really, really well so far. I think now, in fairness, I think they've drawn six of the games, lost two, won two. Um, I think I could be right in saying that, but um, you can see that about four last minute bleeding equalizers. Yeah, and, and but you know what? It's, the, it's, unlucky. it's it's to get them from the type of football that Hodgson had them playing to what they're playing now. I think is night and day in a couple of months. I think is a really, yeah. really good, and they're competing at the same time because sometimes you get you change your style of play like that, and you're getting whacked. But you're playing good football, you're getting whacked up. But they're not. They're they're actually competing, and, and it looks good for them. Um, and I think if, if you'll see, you should see them progress over the season and, and get better and better, and see where they go from there. Um, my losers of the week are Everton Football Club. Um, yeah, I've been lady. dying. I've been dying to do this one um, <laughs> because uh, how they lost that game last night um, by you know only one goal was beyond me. Um, it, it really is. It's 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 scandalous what's going on there. Like Matt Jones here says Benitez isn't the right man, but he's nowhere near the biggest problem at the club. The owner, director of football, and these players have massively underperformed for years. Everything is rotten and needs gutting. I couldn't uh, like everything get beaten right, and how they're only beaten by one goal is beyond me. As I said, um, I'm just dying for the the tipping point where they absolutely go for. For Benitez, like I thought, Watford might be it, but they've held off. Wolves doesn't look like it'll be it. They might hold off. I'm just waiting for it. But do you know what? The biggest mistake they made this week was letting Dominic Calvert Lewin go on Sky. Hmm. And I'm not knocking Dominic Calvert Lewin for going on Sky. You know, I seen stuff like uh, Gary Neville saying fair play for going on no script and stuff like that. Stop lying to us, Gary. We know you fucking rehearsed this show, and um, before it goes on, so there was definitely a script of some sort. And um, but to put to put him in there. After, regardless whether Everton win, lose or draw, it's a weird one to do. And they're just yeah. so all over the fucking place, you know, and you're looking going, why is your number one striker who's injured having to field questions 
after that performance against Wolves. Uh, you know, it was just off the wall. So don't get me wrong, it's, it's going to happen. They're going to absolutely turn up Benitez and decide that he's the absolute problem within, I would say, four to six weeks. And then, ah, oh Jesus, like there won't be enough popcorn in the world for when that starts. Um, do, do any of us disagree before we go? No, I, I couldn't believe um, it was 15 minutes before the game in order to do their pre-match interview on the pitch and Benitez was talking about the January transfer window before the, before <laughs> the match. <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't get over it. Like, and of course, it's like Dave Jones all didn't pick it up because they were like, oh, we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin here. Like, let's yeah. ask him about when he was six years old on trials. And we're like, it was just... Uh, like I get that he wants money and he's going to start playing that game and maybe start going for time but like I thought he was a bit shrewder than that like you know it's like they were just asking him about injuries and the team sheet or whatever and he just said like we'll do what we can here we've got players coming back and we'll see what we can do in the January transfer window and I thought oh my Christ like you know get inside and get over to a tactics board or something like you know worry about that during the Start week. telling Dave Jones at full time that he, he's at the writing down and out on his sideline the pad saying all that Christmas talkie for next week will be gone quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, can't believe he was going on about bleeding January. That's that's just classic Rafa. But, but that's it? but that's yeah. either, that's either, but that's that, that's a double edged thing that Rafa's doing there. So what he's doing there, he's basically telling the fans, look, we couldn't spend in the summer, and he's also telling the owners, this shit will continue unless you spend in January. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's covering his ass and he's throwing a, a thing out because Rafa does that. Like he's a fucking madman. Like he literally went from um, Hicks and Gillette at Liverpool. Right, he goes off and he does Real Madrid when they're an absolute basket case. He does Inter Milan, and then the top roll off, and you don't think he has enough. Come back and live in uh, Kirby or wherever you're living, right, and relax, right. He says, "No, do you know what I'll do? Um, I'll give Newcastle a ring and see what the fuck's going on up there." And he goes up and he perseveres with that lunatic up there, <laughs> like he just doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? And it's absolutely insane what what's going on at Everton. They're definitely the losers of the week because. You know something, they get they get bashed at home, they go away, they get beaten, they let their striker go on and have to discuss that fucking stuff that's going on. Like that just tops it for me though. They're telling me and that he's, he's talking about transfer the, windows. The you know. Cherry on the top of all of that. And you're getting the extra point for this. Did you see the did you see what Amazon done? No. They moved the game from the thirtieth November to the first of December. Yeah. And the Everton fans went absolutely fucking rasha because we we're going to be singing Merry Christmas everything again when we <laughs> because it's in December. And they were literally saying, the fans were like, they do this on purpose. It's always for them red shoy. So they can sing that song against us. They moved to a day this game's on the day before. Why are they doing this to us? It's uh, just brilliant. It's the meltdowns so are the good. best. I have to say, the meltdowns are epic. It's so good. Big it's so good. Last they derailed our season. So but, um, no, they're definitely the losers. Um, quick prediction for tomorrow because we forgot all about the Let's Go Madrid match. But listen, um, the lads will be on tomorrow before the game and after the game. A preview of the game, a chat about it, lineups, news, uh, ones to watch, predictions. And afterwards then with all the reaction. Um, prediction for the game. Go on. Uh, Keith, Liverpool v Atletico Madrid. 2-2. Good stuff. Colin. Oh, for fuck's sake, I thought I was coming in with a really clever 2-2 look, yeah. You can um, have it. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. Okay, well, I'm, 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 I'm giving you the 2-2. Uh, Keith, I'm coming back to you because you can't pick the All same. Right, so it, all right, that's fair <laughs> enough, yeah. All right. 
Desmond Hold on, hold on, hold on. 2-2. Uh, Colin, what do you want? 2-2. Keep coming back to you. All right, then 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> it's nil You're definitely not thinking about this, aren't you? You're not giving <laughs> any thought. The first two numbers come into your head and you just shout them at me. I like it. An implosion. An implosion yeah. by Atletico. Shawnee, give us a thing. You can't have 2-2 two two and you can't have 3-0. One off. One off, okay. Um, three one to Liverpool is the correct score. Just to let people know. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, Kevin Sullivan says a three two win. Ahmed Parmar has two two. Uh, Kevin Ball has two nil win if Thiago and Fabinho play. Um, that's about it. Uh, or just the reminiscent about goals now. Oh, the Jones goal in in January. The Origi ninety plus six <laughs> minute win at the five two hilarious game. The 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 Mane one. Um, yeah. The, the best thing about the Manny one is not the goal. It's um, Liverpool are bashing everything. Are, are, um, Goodison, 2016-17. Um, might be the following season. I'm not too sure. Years mean nothing to me now. And the board goes up. I think it goes up for eight minutes. And you can hear the groan around Goodison going, oh, for fuck's sake. They know what's coming. And Sturridge just wanders across the pitch. It's a terrible shot that comes out the post and man, he's all over it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably still my favourite over the Origi one. It probably is. But anyway, um, that is all the predictions and stuff. Uh, rest of the week, as I said, we're covering the match tomorrow. Carnage on Thursday. Sports Unplugged on Friday. Um, nothing on Saturday. Three shows on Sunday. And then we'll be back into the start of the week, which is a international break. Fuck off. Yeah. Game. So we've loads of quizzes and loads of drafts and stuff like that where we have loads of fun for a week while um the Liverpool lads are off playing for their uh countries. Don't forget Sienna Steps. Please don't forget Sienna Steps. Um she is heading off to New York. I think this time next week she's heading off to New York and um we wish her all the best. She is gonna pass the hundred and twenty K, but if you want to donate, the link is in the description and you can donate to Sienna and we're going to be absolutely thrilled when we get past that, which we will. Um the new show, um, the new channel, um, Man on Football show is, link is in the description. Um, please subscribe because that's going to be a proper laugh about football from all over the world. Keith is going to educate us on loads of stuff. Sean is going to educate us on loads of stuff. I'm going to drink cans and be educated while having a good time doing it. Um, but we are, we're going to have uh, guests on. We're going to have interviews. We're going to talk about football from all over the world. And we're going to have a good time doing it. The main thing is having a good time. So please, please, please go and subscribe to that new channel, which is in the description as well. And we're hoping next week to bring you out a show from the new channel, just to let you know what we're going to do and get suggestions off you as well. Um, Con- uh, Conan, um, your podcast that we all love, tell them where they can find it before we get out of here. <laughs> I think you've heard enough Villa today. but No, but, 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 but your, your, your podcast is Villa, but it's fucking great. It's at the absolutely same. brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. brilliant. So I love it. Cheers, lads. We're actually, I, I've sort of time-coded it now, so we, it's called the Villa Podcast, and um, there's a section called Questions We Can't Answer, so that'll take you straight to the, the general stuff if you want to get through all the Villa stuff to start mm-hmm. off with. Um, no. So it's, it's time-coded in the description as well, so uh, yeah, if you want to come. We usually slag in Harry Maguire and Solskjaer, so it's uh, yeah. Liverpool people seem to like it. <laughs> do, you, do, you ever, do you like, I've listened to a few, do you ever have guests on? No, no we actually, um, one time we had somebody from the Anfield rap, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, was, good, lads. It was very early on. Um, I don't know what it was for. I think they had done something around Dublin, some billboard campaign or whatever. Oh, that's right, yeah, the, cha- the Champions billboard. We were still trying to just figure out the format of it. Like, uh, at the minute, we, we're just going after every Villa match, you know, so there's sort of talk of doing 
an extra one in the mm-hmm. middle of the week then or whatever so uh that's when we might start mixing up the format of it then basically what i'm asking you is is there room for people like us to come on and drink cans and talk football and definitely questions we can't answer stuff a hundred percent like yeah we have to uh extend it on if we're going to have shawnee on because like uh i don't want to get into a liverpool midfield again yeah debate know, on the yeah. Podcast. yeah yeah don't worry uh, i'm normally not that not that nice i'm not <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was going to say don't like worry i'm usually not as i thought he was going to say um i oh, don't worry i'm not usually um as boisterous as that which is a fucking lie it's a um but um, no, it's been an absolute cracking show. So as I said, uh, watch out for the rest of the content during the week. Don't forget to check out the Villa podcast. You can find them on Twitter and you'll find them on, um, you'll find them anyway you need to find them. But Twitter is where you'll find all the details. Anyway, yeah. the Villa podcast. Um, as I said, don't forget the shows out during the week. If anyone's in here, you're watching and you want to hit the like button, please do that. And if you're watching and you have some feedback, go into the comments after the show and leave us some feedback, good, bad, indifferent ideas, wherever it might be, because the comments help in there. And if you're listening on the audio, um, wherever you're listening on whatever app or whatever platform it might be audio was leave us a review it's meant to be important as well i keep getting told all these things then i forget them and then i get given out to you for not letting people know that has been the midweek fix um it's been a cracker in fairness um peter check wears a skull cap in contract negotiations over now <laughs> sports social podcast network